This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z, telling it like it is. Good morning and welcome back to the Truth Hurts program. It is June the 14th, 2021. It is a Monday, so we've got that going against us. But at least we're here to start another week. We are now into the sixth calendar month of the Gropey Joe Biden administration. Between Biden's ineptness, being lost, fumbling around, wandering like a little silver alert president at the G7 summit last week, where his wife had to go, here boy, here Joey, come over here, come see mommy. He, he was ridiculous. Between that and Camel Toe Harris mumbling, fumbling, and stumbling, just like her boss, trying to find answers to questions on a subject she has absolutely no knowledge of, it was a shit show, pardon my French, for the week on the world stage for the United States of America. I saw a sign for Lemons Trucking, Pacific Fiber Products distributor, and it said, Trump may have hurt your feelings, but Biden is hurting your family, finance, and your freedom. And no truer words could have been spoken. I want to read something to you from Dr. Thomas Sowell, an African-American conservative journalist and academic. He wrote, Politicians hate hearing the plain truth, but here it is. The only way to make college free is to recruit faculty who are willing to work for free, contractors willing to build for free, utility companies willing to provide power and water for free, and support staff who are willing to labor 40 hours a week for, you guessed it, free. If college education is worth its price, then there's no need to subsidize it because it pays for itself. But if it is not worth its price, that is, there's no point in subsidizing because it is a waste of money. Free college simply means that the people who don't attend college end up paying for those who do, because that's what happens when the government raises taxes to make college free. Very well-written commentary. What loan forgiveness really means is that the government will either raise taxes or add it to the debt. Taxpayers, you and I, will either pay for it now or pay for it later, but they will ultimately pay. Giving a reward to someone to go to college is ridiculous. The reward should be the benefit of the college education as you enter the workforce after your college education is completed. And by the way, happy birthday to former President Donald J. Trump today. Shares his birthday with Flag Day, how appropriate, the American flag. If you think an 18-year-old is too young to own a rifle, then why do we allow 18-year-olds into the U.S. military? and teach them how to assemble, disassemble, load, unload, and fire a rifle. If you think an 18-year-old is too young to possess a rifle, but a 16-year-old is supposedly mature enough to be able to vote, you are part of the problem. If you think a 14-year-old is old enough to get an abortion without parental consent, and a 3-year-old is mature enough to decide their own gender, then you are part of the problem. It's funny how Democrats, liberals, progressives always want to talk about how someone young is able to make their own decisions, their own life-changing, life-altering, life-destroying decisions. But then when it comes to other items such as ownership of guns, driving of 18-wheel, 80,000-pound vehicles, they claim that an 18-year-old doesn't have the mental ability or the seasoned experience of life to be able to do so. They do, as always, employ the double standard at every possible turn. I don't like spouting memes. It's not something I relish in doing. But I did see one that caught my eye. 
It says, I'm sick of people saying cops need more training. You had 18 years to train your churin not to steal, to shoot, to stab, to carjack, to loot, to burn down buildings, to shine lasers in people's eyes, to throw rocks and bricks and stones, flip over cars, block traffic, and attack other people. Remember, the police did not fail you. You failed your churin. I started to do a show on Saturday morning after two horrendous experiences in the restaurant business over the weekend, but I had to cut the show short because it was Motorcycle Track Day weekend. I saw a sign in front of a restaurant this week. It said, pay the working people the extra $300 per week and see how fast the unemployed get employed. Truer words could not be spoken. And since I didn't get a chance to publish my program on Saturday, I'll do that piece for you now. Friday night, I drove the RV down to the NOLA Motorsports Park. Beautiful 2.7-mile sprawling MotoGP-quality IndyCar track-type environment at Avondale, Louisiana. Really nice place. Needs a little bit of work, a little bit of tweaking, but it could be perfect. And uh, took the motorcycles down and rode with my daughter and her fiancé and the entire Track Day Winter organization. John Cook puts on a hell of a show down there. Friday night, as I unloaded my equipment, my gear, my motorcycle, and all the other things that go along with it, set up the RV at their nice little campground, decided I wasn't going to cook. It was 91 degrees at 7 o'clock in the evening. Didn't want to heat up the camper any more than necessary. So my daughter and her fiancé and another friend of ours who rides motorcycles on the track with us said, hey, let's go grab a quick bite. Nothing too heavy because we have to ride in the morning. They had ridden all day Friday in the 92, 94 degree sweltering heat, so they were pretty well worn out. They just wanted something quick and easy, but they didn't want a Burger King or a McDonald's or a Wendy's or a Taco Hell or a Popeye's. So they settled on, you ready for this? Waffle House. That's right, we went to Waffle House. Now usually, Waffle House restaurants are manned by some fairly friendly people. It's almost like a requirement that you have to almost be country and friendly to work there. And true to form, we pulled in, about 7.30 in the evening, so it was definitely not breakfast time. We arrived, there were four people sitting at the counter on the bar stools at the counter, and no one else in the restaurant. I also noticed something very strange, because usually in a Waffle House, there are a plethora of employees. One or two cooks, two or three waitresses, somebody cleaning, doing something. But at the Waffle House in Avondale, Louisiana, on Highway 90, just across from my ancestral home, there was an African-American gentleman on the grill, and there was about a, and he was about 60, I guess, and there was about a 60-year-old white fella that was the waiter, and that was it, two people in the whole place. Now, perhaps that's because it was evening and not the breakfast rush, but they also had a huge sign out front and in the restaurant, now hiring. We walked in the door. The cook, the African-American gentleman, turned around and said, Welcome to Waffle House, y'all. So glad we got some customers up, and we only had these four for the last hour. So y'all come on in, pick any table you want, any booth you want. It was very friendly, very, very friendly. So we sat down and we waited and we waited and we waited some more. This gentleman, the African-American cook, said to the other waiter, the waiter that was there, he said, hey, you have some customers down here. To which the white waiter snapped back, I know, I'm not blind, I'll be there in a moment. I'm taking care of another customer right now. I sat there scratching my head trying to figure out what other customer he could possibly be taken care of. He wasn't taking a phone order. He didn't have a phone to his ear. The four gentlemen at the counter were wrapped up and getting ready to walk out. 
This man was trying to figure out, I guess, the waiter, was trying to figure out if he had forgotten to charge one of the men at the counter for something. Scratching his head, he almost reminded me of Joe Biden, except this man had darker hair. And it's a shame. I, I would hate to think at 60, 65 years old that I'd have to work as a waiter at Waffle House. But, you know, life decisions and, and life gets in the way sometimes, so I understand. I'm certainly not knocking him for working. He could be, I guess, sitting home collecting unemployment. About four or five minutes went by, and finally the cook walked over and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I, I want to apologize for him. I don't know what's going on, but can I get y'all's drink orders? So we gave the cook our drink orders, and he returned very quickly with our drinks. My daughter, who's usually well, rather reserved in her commentary, at least openly, she got a little loud and said, Look, if somebody doesn't come over here and take our order, we're out of here. And I'm usually the one who does that. I'm usually the one that stands up and gets loud and vocal and starts expressing my inner Karen. I said, hold on a minute. We got our drinks. And the other gentleman who was with us said, I don't care. I'll walk right out of this place. They don't want to take our order. They obviously don't want our business. I haven't taken a sip of my drink. I'll just walk out. Let's go. And so give them another minute. Just give them a minute. By this time, the cook was practically yelling at the waiter, who finally walked over and said this round of apologies, like he was going to tell us his life story and why he was having a bad day. And I just looked at him and said, look, chief, we really don't care. No offense. I don't know you. You don't know me. Your apology is certainly something that I appreciate, but it shouldn't. you shouldn't have to apologize. This is an empty restaurant. There's no one here but us and the other guys who've already paid their bill and are walking out the door. I can't understand why you haven't already come over, taken our order, put the silverware down, asked us if we wanted a glass of water first. I've been dining, if you want to use that term, at Waffle House for the better part of my adult life. I've walked out of one or two, but this, for some reason, was a challenge to me. I wanted to make sure that I could stay. I wanted to make sure that my daughter was not going to walk us out of there. I don't know why, just maybe a personal challenge to see if I could get her to stay. Anyway, he began taking our order, and it was like asking Joe Biden to take your order. My son-in-law-to-be ordered very simple, two eggs, scrambled, hash browns, plain, toast, and bacon. Real simple. This man, uh, two, um, two eggs, you said. Okay, two, two eggs. And then how do you want them cooked? Well, he'd already told you scrambled. So we all four said scrambled. And then he looked at us as if we had called his mother a whore or something. How dare all four of us repeat what had already been said. And he said, ham or bacon? And all four of us again said bacon. And he looked at us again. He goes, well, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just I'm just having a bad day. You see, nope, nope, nope. We don't want to hear it. Anyway, it took two and a half, three minutes for four people to order four very simple meals. Two eggs scrambled with bacon toast. Two eggs scrambled with ham and wheat toast. The Whatever the hell the big breakfast is called. The one that has literally everything in it with ham and a waffle. And then for me, just a simple double hamburger. No cheese, no nothing. Just basically meat and bread and some pickles. It took forever for him to write this down. And if you've ever been to a Waffle House, the waiter or waitress usually turns to the cook and starts saying, pull two meat, which means two whatever, two bacon, or pull two bacon, two ham, and two burger patties. I need scrambled eggs. I need whatever. He just calls out the order out loud. This guy wasn't doing that, and the cook was becoming somewhat frustrated. So I started shouting the order <laughs> to the cook directly. I don't know the Waffle House lingo for or one pl pull one plate, whatever that means. I just said, we need, and I started shouting the order out. And he started cooking it. And then the order arrived to our table via the cook, not the waiter. We simply asked the waiter, could we please have something to eat with? You know, utensils, fork, spoon, knife. And he shouted from across the restaurant, do you want plastic or silver, the kind we have to wash? 
I thought that was a rather strange question to ask, but hey, you know, I guess he's just doing his job. I shouted, we don't care if it's sticks and stones, we just need some damn forks and knives and spoons over here. Is it really that difficult? I swear it was like listening to Joe Biden taking your order and trying to do the job of waiter. And if this guy is as bad as Joe Biden at Waffle House, imagine someone in that same mental condition running your nation. Scary, huh? Joe Biden has his finger on the nuclear football. Someone could go, hey, Joe, open that little briefcase. Let's see what you got there. Is that a shiny little toy from Scranton, Pennsylvania? Huh, Congressman Biden? Huh, Senator Biden? Huh, lifeguard Biden? Can I look inside your cool briefcase? Hey, what's this button do? Boom, end of the planet. <laughs> this clown, Joe Biden, has his hand on the nuclear football. Anyway, we ended up paying our bill and leaving, and that was that. And that made me wonder, Why? is this 60-year-old man working there, and why are there help-wanted signs at the Waffle House? By the way, the black cook, I didn't catch his name, I should have. 26 years in the United States Army, 86 Bravo is what he told me. I'm not sure what that means, but he said he was a cook, and at one time had made 8,600 pounds of potato salad for an entire division. Hmm, that's a lot of potatoes. Smile never left his face the entire time we were there. He came over a couple of times just to make sure we were okay at the table. Credit to that man. Thumbs down to our waiter. But again, if that's all that they can find, incompetent, inept waiter to run their restaurant, this country's in deep, deep trouble. And as long as people like gropey Joe Biden, Camel Toe Harris, Chuckles the Clown Schumer, AOC, Bernie Sanders, and their ilk continue to allow 300, 400, whatever the hell it is, extra dollars per week to stay home instead of going back to work and getting back into the workforce. No one is going to go look for a job on the lower end of the pay scale. For some, that extra $300 is like a 50 to 75% bonus on top of what they were making when they were working. So now they're making much more to stay home than they are to go to their jobs. And that, my friends, is a shame. And it is, unfortunately, the truth. And sometimes that truth hurts. A funny thing happened at the G7 summit, by the way, last week. World leaders were laughing at gropey Joe Biden after Boris Johnson of England had to remind Biden of something that had just happened. World leaders were laughing at gropey Joe Biden during the roundtable event at the G7 over the weekend after British Prime Minister Boris Johnson had to remind Biden of something that had happened just moments before. Sky News posted the clip on social media which showed Boris Johnson introducing world leaders who had just joined the event. In the clip, Johnson introduced South Africa President Cyril Ramaphosa, who was the only black leader in the room. And after Boris Johnson introduced him, Biden introduced the president of South Africa and pointed at him in a manner that suggested he did not know that he had just been introduced. Take a listen to this exchange. I think you'll find it as amusing as I did, or as sad, actually. Boris Johnson. And I apologize, the audio was not that great. But the bottom line is, Boris Johnson said, To say how pleased I am to welcome those who have just joined us in some pretty spectacular weather, 
With them, Prime Minister Modi, President Ramaphosa, President Moon, and then feeble-minded, gropey Joe Biden interjects, and, and the President of South Africa. And Johnson responded, and the President of South Africa, as I said early on. Then Biden says, oh, you did? And the room erupted in laughter. Biden was widely mocked online after the incident, calling it yet another Biden dementia moment, an embarrassing moment for the United States on the world stage. But fear not, there was the period of time that Gropey Joe was seen just wandering around aimlessly, looking like a little boy lost in a shopping mall, and Jill Biden, his wife, had to go, Joe, come here, come here, come here. And also during the G7, where Gropey Joe Biden was talking about Syria, but he was calling Syria Libya. Take a listen. Remember, he's supposed to be talking about Syria. Um, we could work together with Russia. For example, uh, in, uh, in Libya, we should be opening up the, the, the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance, I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. I think I'm going to try very much hard to... Uh, it is. And by the way, there's places where Come on, I shouldn't place. be starting off and negotiating in public here, but let me say it this way. Come on, Joe, you can do it. Russia has engaged in activities which are, we believe are contrary to international norms, but they have also um, uh, um, 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 bitten um, off some real problems. They're going to have trouble doing on. What? And for example, the rebuilding of, uh, of uh, Syria. You of, mean Libya? Uh, of Libya, of, there you, you know, this is, they're there. And as long as they're there without the ability to bring about some order in the, in the region, you can't do that very well without providing for the basic economic needs of people. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in, uh, in Libya. Uh, that, uh, oh, and he finally figured out that he meant Libya. Because people were screaming in his earpiece, holding up signs, I'm sure. No, you buffoon. It's Libya, not Syria. Russia's not fooling around in Syria. He meant Libya. Of course, the press, the mainstream leftist media, will continue to give Gropey Joe a pass. And that, my friends, is an embarrassment for the United States of America. Oh, by the way, Gropey Joe only picked Kamala Harris for two qualifications. Only two. Number one, dark skin. Number two, vagina. No qualifications, no real experience. A woman who slept her way to the top will end up in the big chair when Gropey Joe is forced out of office, either by his own party, by his own dementia, or by some illness that might befall him, some situation. It is a shame. We will eventually have Camel Toe Harris as our incompetent, inept, cackling president. Lord, help us all when that day Hello, comes, and friends. thank you for tuning in. In honor of Pride Month, all during the month of June, the cable company and the satellite company are teaming up to bring you a month of really queer shows and programming. All the gay, lesbian, transgender, transsexual, pansexual, bisexual, aberrant behavior, and sodomy movies you could possibly stand. Yes, we do normally offer 167 channels of very diverse programming, from the Black Entertainers Network to the Country and Western Channel, from sports programming like football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and others, but for the entire month of 
of June, we'll show in our pride by switching every single channel to gay-friendly programming. On our sports network, we're gonna switch the entire month of June to show our pride by featuring three channels of 24-hour cornhole matches. You heard me right, 24 hours of cornhole and the big rear-end finale called the Cornhole National Championships. In addition, our sports channels will feature all month long men pretending to be women, big boys pretending to be girls. Yes, you already guessed it. Transgender female boxing, transgender wrestling, soccer, and baseball. It isn't fair to the real girls, but hell, this ain't the real girls month now, is it? It's Pride Month. On our country and western channel, you probably already figured it out. 24 hours of movies about long, dirty trail rides, backs getting broken on the mountain, and what cowboys do, and other sick, twisted, homosexual type movies. 81 channels of music by gays for gays. And over on our cooking channels, every single gay, lesbian, queer, transgender, and bisexual chef, sous chef, and kitchen cleanup boys, and all the drama that happened up in the kitchen. And on our do-it-yourself channels, you guessed it, gay interior and exterior decorators will compete just to see how entirely stupid they can make a house look. And there will basically be no change to our fashion channels or our shopping channels because, well, you know. And every single news network in the month of June during Gay Pride Month from Foxy to PMSNBC, the Carnal News Network and others will feature real fruits like Dan DeLimon and Cooper and his son and all your favorites. It's Pride Month over here on the cable company and the satellite company. Y'all tunes in now, you hear? All 167 channels, all gay, all day, and all night, baby. All through June, Gay Pride Month. All these Ivy League college-educated people running the nation, running the large corporations, well, that may be coming to an end. One employer says he has stopped hiring Ivy League graduates altogether, claiming they are too woke, too self-important, or they've been trained to stay silent when it matters. For decades, actually for centuries, America's elite universities have produced some of the brightest minds and most influential citizens in our country. And even those Ivy League graduates whose names didn't end up in the history books could count on one coveted benefit of their Ivy League higher education. And that is the benefit of landing a good job right out of school. But now that's changing according to a hiring manager for a popular magazine. Writing for the Wall Street Journal on Monday, R.R. Reno, editor of First Things, a well-known religious public policy magazine, explained he has largely stopped hiring graduates from Ivy League schools because they are either too woke, too self-important, or they've been trained to remain silent when it matters. Reno began before elucidating his point with a story about the student strike that took place last year at Haverford College, a place he described as similar to Harvard. He said, A decade ago, I relished the opportunity to employ talented graduates of Princeton, Yale, Harvard, and the rest. Today... Not so much. He recalled that concerns over anti-blackness and the erasure of marginalized voices culminated in an all-college Zoom meeting that accomplished very little. Besides outing the thin-skinned narcissism and naked aggression of many of the students, qualities that do not make for effective employees and certainly not effective leaders. He argued that for every outspoken student activist, however, there are many more who refuse to speak up when they should, when it counts. If students can be traumatized by insensitivity on that leafy campus, then they're unlikely to function as mainstream effective team members in organizations that have to deal with everyday realities. In any event, he doesn't want to hire someone who makes inflammatory accusations at the drop of a hat. He says student activists don't represent the majority of students, but he finds himself wondering about the silent acquiescence of most students 
who allow themselves to be cowed by charges of racism and other sins. He says he sympathizes. The atmosphere of intimidation in the elite higher education ranks is intense. But he doesn't want to hire a person who is well-practiced in remaining silent when it comes to a need to speak up. He compared the hostile environment at many elite college campuses to the, quote, dimitude of many Christians and Jews living in Muslim societies or the mentality of those who have internalized their second-class status. The students who counter and repel the environment have their issues, too. Reno says some resist. They would seem ideal for the organization, which aims to speak for religious and social conservatives, but even this kind of graduate brings liabilities to the workplace. I've met recent Ivy League grads with conservative convictions who manifest a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. Others have developed a habit of aggressive counterpunching that is no more appealing in young employee than the ruthless accusations of the so-called woke. As an overarching theme, the students educated at Ivy League schools have been socialized to panic over pseudo-crises. They navel-gaze about diversity and inclusion and other abstract ideas rather than putting their nose to the grind on real work. So Reno says he now seeks graduates from smaller, lesser-known, though more dependable private institutions or even some larger state universities or their satellite campuses. The underlying problem for Ivy League students, he suggests, is more than likely a deficit of good role models. Notwithstanding, the result certainly appears to be unproductive employees. Hey, man, the man is telling the truth. You get a bunch of so-called woke white people who suddenly have been indoctrinated after four, six, or eight years in college to think that they should have white guilt and that they have some sense of false white supremacy and that every minority is a victim and that every white person owes every minority some sort of reparations, whether it be monetary or job advancement or placement advancement, or you should simply step aside, whitey, and let the minorities in because for centuries and decades and years, you've let them stay out. And now it's your turn to just give it up. Or they're so afraid to speak their own mind for fear of the retribution of being called a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, a gender-biased person, that they keep their mouths shut out of fear of reprisal, fear of retribution, fear of revenge, fear of action against them. Universities should be teaching the finer points of specialized subject matter in order to prepare a young person to enter a workforce in something other than a simple menial job. Instead of producing engineers, attorneys, doctors, scientists, historians, architects, designers, people who make things to improve society, today's colleges and universities are more interested in gender bender studies, in minority relationship studies, things that will do you absolutely no good unless you become one of the outspoken graduates in that field and you find yourself in a place working in a company as a diversity coordinator, you know, a highly paid shit stirrer. I don't know what this world's coming to, and I would hate to be a young person right now sitting in a classroom having a mind of their own feeling the need to speak out, but knowing that if you did so, you would be ostracized, vilified, demonized. Yes, exactly. It is a shame, my friends, but that is what our nation has come to. We are no longer looked upon on the world stage as the savior of planet Earth, as the net producer 
of planet Earth, as the provider of planet Earth. We are now looked at as a laughingstock on the political arena, a laughingstock by China, Russia, and India. Places we used to think were backwards-ass places, but in fact have surpassed us in so many ways. And now a word from the Joe Biden administration's Fair Housing Initiative. Did you move out of a blighted, high-crime, low-property-value, dangerous inner city? Did you move to the modern, clean, low-crime, high-property-value suburbs? That's not fair. The Joe Biden administration wants you to either move back to the inner city, or he's going to bring the inner city to your neighborhood. Coming soon to the clean suburbs. Affirmative action housing subsidies and initiatives. Yes, if there's any vacant land on or near your suburb, the Biden administration wants to mandate your county, township, suburb, or even cul-de-sac to build new low-income multifamily housing with your tax dollars. Enjoying your neighborhood with middle-income single family dwellings? Not for long. Biden wants to put an end to your privileged lifestyle. Soon, your suburban landscape will be littered with duplexes, fourplexes, Section 8 housing, and other low-cost housing alternatives, just to make it fair to others. They destroyed your city, and now the Biden administration wants to force you into allowing them to come to your neighborhood. Why should you live in a low-crime area when they have to live in the high-crime inner city? It's just not fair. Who cares that you worked hard and paid a lot of money for the ability to escape the crime and the blight of the inner city? Those who refuse to work are, after all, entitled to the same quality of life, according to President Biden. Who cares if they don't work for it? The Biden Fair Housing Initiative is coming to your small town, and there's nothing you can do about it. Paid for with your tax dollars. That's going to wrap up this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. Happy Flag Day. Fly the old stars and stripes for the sake of your nation. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts program network.